Well, good morning, Watch Bar. Now, let me say this. Like, if you're seeing this video at week five, you have no clue what's going on. Uh, But basically what we're doing, we we started this series on ghost stories. Because what I found, I grew up in church, grew up in a Pentecostal church, uh, is that most people, even people that grew up in it, have no clue of what Holy Spirit, who he really is, and what his function is in the church. So we're in week five of this series. Before we jump in, a couple things. Listen, Wednesday night is what we call a Wednesday night connection. Come out. Man, Casey, Pastor Casey, uh, will have a special appearance by maybe one of our ghost bros, uh, the head of them. But he'll be teaching our adult class. 412 is in their series, Made to Worship. Our uh, WB Kids is in their series, Game Changer. And we've got Nursery. Don't miss that. Now, if you are of the male species, you're a man, you're ready to raise your hand. Come on. Some of you don't know. That's uh, that's. A, This Saturday is our Man Up Breakfast. Do not miss it, men, at 9 a.m. We, I mean, we, it's a southern breakfast to its core. Gravy, biscuits, eggs, bacon, sausage, nothing healthy except maybe the orange juice. Uh, And then it's full of sugar. Uh, But I'm telling you, don't miss it, 9 a.m. I believe God has given me a word, uh, a short word for our men this Saturday. So come on after that. Um, Y'all ready for week five? As I've said, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Uh, Anybody else grow up in a Pentecostal church? Now, uh, we were Pentecostal, not charismatic. And we were told, no, you're not charismatic. You're Pentecostal. At the young, I didn't know what that means other than uh, I, we didn't dance around our church with flags. We didn't have, uh, no, nobody familiar with the charismatic movement. Okay. Uh, but that's what I was told. But let, let me just say this real quick. If you, if you don't know by now or you're new here, we are a Pentecostal charismatic church. Meaning we believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still functioning, still operational, and that, that every believer has the ability to flow in these gifts. Um, so charismatic, what is charismatic? Is the Holy Spirit charismatic? Well, let's look at the word. Uh, uh, charismatic, the word we have for charismatic actually comes from the Greek word charisma. Here's what Strong's Concordance says. It's, it means a favor with which one receives without any merit of their own. It says it's a gift of divine grace. Here, I want to simplify the definition. If you're taking notes, I highly encourage you to take notes. Here's a simple definition of charisma. It means grace gifts. Grace gifts. Now, let's be honest. Any gift we get is a grace gift. Because nobody in this church is worthy of anything that God has given us. It's all grace gifts with us. So if you will, go with me. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. But Paul is getting ready to introduce us to the gifts or the charisma of the Holy Spirit. Um, 
Side note, 1 Corinthians is actually not the first letter writ, written to the church at Corinth. Uh, and you'll see this when you read throughout in 1 Corinthians 5, 9. Paul says this, I wrote to you in another letter, a previous letter. Most theologians believe that 1 Corinthians is a letter he wrote to the church written in response to the, a letter he had written previously because they had a whole lot of questions about some things Paul had wrote about. Why do they have questions? Because the the church at Corinth, they weren't all, they weren't raised churchgoers. These were not Jewish people. These were Gentiles. In fact, the city of Corinth was the original sin city. It was a very wealthy city, a very sexual city. It was a very sinful city. And so they knew when it came to Jesus, God, and now Holy Spirit or the church, they knew nothing. And so when Paul wrote to them, hey, we, we've got some questions, Paul. What's going on here? So Paul, in, in chapter 12, Paul begins to answer so, those questions, starting with verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. King James says, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. I love the way the message paraphrases that scripture. It says, remember how you were when you didn't know God. Led away from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, hey, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Now, there are different kinds of gifts or charisma. There are different kinds of gifts, but look at this. The same Spirit distributes them. Who's he talking about? All right, now watch. Uh, there are different kinds uh, of, of service or ministries, but the same Lord, who's he talking about? Jesus. Then he says there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and every one is the same God at work. Who's he talking about? Right there in those two or three verses, you've got the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now Paul's going to go into the gifts or the charisma of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you see underlined, I want you to read out loud with me and say it with some umption. No, don't just, uh, no, I want you to say it. Y'all ready? Verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, don't let that word manifestation throw you off. It just means Holy Spirit shows up. It says, don't, don't let it. Uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word through the Spirit. To another the word through the same Spirit. Let's bring that up. Uh, to another, well, they haven't got it up there. To another what? By the same Spirit to another, by the same Spirit to another, to another, to another, to another different kinds of, and to another the, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. Read this, distributing to each one individually. In other words, the Holy Spirit does the distributing, and he, he does it however he sees fit. You ever looked at somebody, 
come, come on, don't, don't, you've done this. You may not want to, how, how, how would they do that? They don't even live right. Holy Spirit does whatever he wants with his gifts. Oh, I'm, gonna get ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's move on. Uh, if you're taking notes, here's what you need to know when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charisma of the Holy Spirit, is this. We do not own any of the gifts. Holy Spirit owns the gifts. Here's why I'm saying that. And I'm about to make a point or say something that if you grew up Pentecostal or charismatic like I did, this is going to ruffle your feathers a little. But I need you to hang with me because we're going to look at Scripture. How many know a lot of stuff we grew up believing or saying is not even scriptural? So we're going to look at Scripture. But, but let me say, I do not believe that any one person owns any one gift. You ever heard somebody say, I've got the gift of healing. I've got the gift of prophecy. Here's why. Let's say this. Let's say Leo. Uh, Leo Leo right here, he's got the gift of healing. Well, he's out of town working or on vacation. Well, I encounter a problem where I need healing. Well, the guy with the gift of healing is out of town. What do I do? Just pray that I can hold out long enough till he gets back? No, I believe that the Holy Spirit is able to work in any follower of Jesus and give that gift to anyone he chooses to. No one person owns the gift. Uh, All the gifts are available to every believer. I, I truly believe that. So let's bring some clarity to these gifts. And I want to divide those nine gifts that we just read into three different categories. Category number one is this, discerning gifts. Discerning gifts. And we're going to move quick. I've got a lot of notes, but we're going to, I'm going to try to move quick. Let me say that. The first one under this category is this, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. What, what does that mean? Well, uh, here, here's its basic form. It's the ability to know something specific about a situation, a circumstance, a, a, a strategy of the enemy. That, that maybe Holy Spirit reveals these things to you, not because somebody told you. You don't know them because somebody told you. Holy Spirit revealed them to you. Uh, John 4 tells a story of when Holy Spirit, man, moved and operated through Jesus in this fashion. Uh, it tells the story of a woman that shows up at the well. Y'all, anybody know, familiar with that? Look at verse 16 of John 4. Jesus said, go call your husband, come back. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. Hey, Jesus had a 50-50 shot getting that right, right? But what he says later, he says this, the fact is, you've had five husbands. And right now, you're living with a man that's not, you're not married to. And she says, what you've just said is quite true. I can see that you're a prophet. Who told, who told Jesus that she had been married five times? Uh, it had to be. I mean, there wasn't Google. Jesus didn't, hey, what's your name? Let me Google what it says. He hadn't been to any of the, the city's uh, gossip, I mean, prayer request meetings. <laughs> Holy Spirit came in and gave him specific details about this woman. Kelly, man, but that's Jesus. You need to understand when Jesus walked this earth, 
He laid down his heavenly glory and he operated, Holy Spirit operated through him while he walked on this earth. The second that falls under this category is this, the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Paul doesn't say the gift of discernment. Are you hearing me? Because that's why a lot of people, I've got the gift of discernment. Paul didn't say that. He says the discernment of spirits. Uh, Here's what I found when someone says, Pastor, I've got the gift uh, of discernment. Here's what I find more than often. They really have the gift of criticism. Because they want their judgment of others to be God's judgment of them. Are you hearing me? They want God's judgment of what's happening to be, or their judgment of what's going on to be God's judgment. So really it's not uh, discerning. Let's, let's move on. Discerning of spirits. So what does that mean? To be aware of the presence of a demonic presence or spirit or activity. So how does that help? Wouldn't it be great to be able to recognize when the enemy has assigned something to you or a spirit to you to throw you off track? Well, wouldn't it be uh, uh, great to be able to recognize an assignment that, uh, that a spirit that the enemy has put to come against your family, against you, against your marriage, your children, your sanity, your peace? Why would it be? So we'll know how to fight it. So we'll know. According to Paul, Holy Spirit can do that in the life of every follower of Jesus. What if you're not just having a bad day? Come on. What if the distance you're feeling in your marriage just isn't just you fighting? What if, what if that kid acting up is not just adolescence at its best? What if... There is a spiritual attack going on in that right there. And if we can begin to discern that, we'll know how to fight it. Holy Spirit does that. He can show up and give you a discerning spirit. Acts 16, I love this story. Paul and Luke are traveling, and look what happens. Acts 16, 16 through 18. Paul says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us. Look what she shouted. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That sounds good, right? I mean, she's telling them, hey, these these are men of God. They're telling you how, how, how to be saved. And this is still happening in the church almost every week. Something sounds right. Are you hearing me? But we don't have enough discernment to say, hey, hey, something's off here. Something's off here. But I love this story. Look, look at this. Uh, what Paul, in verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed with her that he turned around and said to the what? In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Says she kept doing this for many days until finally Paul got annoyed. How long is the enemy going to keep coming at you until you finally get annoyed? How long are you going to allow things to be spoken over your life, over your family, over your health, until you finally get annoyed enough to say, hey, hey, enough is enough in the name of Jesus. Get out. Come on now. 
When are you going to get finally annoyed? And notice this, Paul didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the Spirit. Maybe it's time we quit speaking to that individual and recognize it's not that individual, it's a spirit that has got itself a hold of them. Maybe it's time we start speaking to the spirit of addiction. Maybe it's time we start speaking to the spirit of pornography. Uh, the, the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of division that's going on. Instead of seeing one party this way, one party that way, one color here. Uh, the, instead of speaking to the division, hey, let's speak to the spirit of it. How about we, oh man, this is going to hurt some people, including myself. How about we start speaking to the spirit of overeating? In more ways than one. Maybe start speaking to the spirit of laziness. The spirit of anger. The spirit of depression. Maybe it's time we start speaking to those spirits and say enough is enough. In the name of Jesus Christ, it's time for you to come out and leave. Holy Spirit gave Paul that ability. And Paul says, hey, he'll do the same for you. The third one under this category is this, a word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. Here's what that simply is. A divine answer or solution for a specific event, situation, or circumstance. Anybody ever, ever had to make a tough decision and you really wanted to make sure you made the right decision? Or you were asked a question, you had to give an answer to it, and you're like, man, I, I got to nail this answer. I, somebody asked you, you're at work and someone asked you, you're like, man, I got to get this right. I've got to answer this. Holy Spirit can show, you, show up and give you words and solutions to things that would even surprise you. I've been in counseling, me and Denise have been in counseling where we've been talking to couples or I've talked to them and I'll say something to that person and in my mind I'm thinking, wow, that was really good. Where did that come from? Because I know it wasn't me. It was Holy Spirit coming through me and allowing a word of wisdom to, to come through through me. And John 9, I love this story. We're going to do a lot of work today. I hope you're ready. There's a man that has been blind from birth, and Jesus heals him. The Pharisees are all upset because Jesus healed a guy that had been blind from birth on their Sabbath day. And they can't, oh, don't even get me started. Uh, so they begin to insult this man, and they make a statement. Hey, we're disciples of Moses. And then look for uh, John 9, 29. They say, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, this Jesus, we don't even know where he comes from. That's the Pharisees talking. Now look what the man says. He says, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he's the one that opened my eyes. These Pharisees who were religious leaders in the community said, we don't even know where this man comes from. And then you've got a guy that has been blind from birth. That was, I mean, Jesus is new to him. He, it's all new to him. He, him being blind from birth, he, he didn't go to school. He, he wasn't really having any higher education. In fact, more than likely, he was made to be a beggar to try to earn a living. And yet, he gets his eyes opened up, and he says, you don't even, you don't know where he comes from? 
Well, he opened up my eyes and look what he says. He says this in 31. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, right, Pharisees? He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man weren't from God, he could do nothing. How does a man that has just met Jesus, that was not raised with any formal education, have this wisdom? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He's able to speak with such wisdom because the charisma of the Holy Spirit operated through him. The second category in the nine gifts of the Spirit is this. The declarative gifts. The declarative gifts. First one we're going to look at is this one. The gift of prophecy. One of the biggest misconceptions about prophecy is that whenever a prophecy is given, it's all gloom and doom and warnings. Come on, anybody, when you hear of a prophecy, uh, and here's the thing, I don't doubt God uses prophecy to bring warnings and things like that, but I want to show you what Paul says the gift of prophecy is. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their what? Their and I didn't hear one word mentioning doom, gloom, correction, or warning. The one that prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and their comfort. I don't know about you. I want that gift. I want to be able to speak into someone's life a word that brings them encouragement, that brings them comfort, that brings healing to that moment. I want that. And in case you think it's a one-time thing, Paul reiterates this down in the chapter with verse 31. He says this, For you all can prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. According to Paul, prophecies for strengthening, encouraging, learning, and comfort. And comfort. If you've ever lost a child, you know it's one of the most difficult things you will ever walk through in a life. Denise and I, uh, I know this, and it's, as do others in this room. After Denise and I lost their son, Gunner, um, I was ready to try again. But fear had gripped Denise. And when I say it gripped her, man, you got to know this woman. This woman, she's not afraid of a whole lot, but fear had gripped her. And we were in this long revival and I was up on the keyboards playing and and the prophet, a guy named Billy Burke was there that week. And he spoke, I'm behind the keyboard and I hear him say these words. There's someone here tonight that something happened and because of that, fear has gripped you and is keeping you from having a baby. You want to have a baby, but fear has gripped you. I'm on the keyboards. I know who he's talking to. And I look at my wife. Denise, come up here and tell what happened. So it's just as he said, uh, I was actually walking around with another baby in my arms of a lady that had a baby soon after I did. And everybody in the church knew our situation, so everybody was, of course, looking at me, and I was like, 
Now, the guy had no idea. No, the guy had no idea. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not going up there, you know, because I, I don't really want to hear what he has to say because I didn't really trust it at that time. I had lost, you know, a lot of faith and did have a lot of fear about having another baby because our son had trisomy 18, and he died when he, he was born in um, August of, two, of 1995, and he died three days after he was born. And so... The doctors had told me I had a 1% chance that I might have another baby. I thought, well, that is way too much of a chance for me. That's how much fear was in my life. And so when this guy called out, everybody's looking at me. So finally, um, I looked at Kelly, and Kelly's, like, looking at me. So I thought, okay, I'll go up there and hear what he has to say so everybody can just kind of move on with the service. And I was really skeptical. Now, granted, this man knew nothing about us. He knew nothing about our baby uh, passing away, nothing. So I went up, and my pastor's wife joined me in the altar just kind of for support. And this man began to speak into my life and say things that he had no clue. And I said, okay, God, if this is you, you have to say specific words for me to believe what he's got to say. And then he said, um, and I, I, let me preface this, trisomy 18 is an extra number 18 chromosome which messes everything up in a baby's system. And it's not a perfect mix of the chromosomes. And then he said, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you that you are going to have another baby, whether you like it or not. And he said, and you're going to have this baby in pleasure, not pressure. And he told the church not to pressure us or talk to us about it. He said, you will um, have a baby, and it's going to be a perfect mix. And when he said that, I fell to my knees because I knew it was God. I knew there was no way that he would say those specific words had it not been through the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And he said, and another thing, he said, you'll, you'll have this baby. This was in May. I'd lost the baby in August of 95. This was in May of 96. And he said, and I don't know what, I see something about October. And I was like, well, I know it's not going to be this October. That's not going to happen because I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. I still had to process things. And um, so after he said those words and I, and I began to let fear, God began to take fear out of my life in so many other different ways. Um, we had a baby. We had our beautiful Sheridan in October of 1997. Wasn't planned just happened exactly like the Holy Spirit said. That's how the gift of prophecy operated. Now, granted, I had to put in the work. But it happened. It happened. Faith without works is dead, folks. So here's why I had her tell that story, because that prophecy encouraged us gave us hope. It brought healing to us. And what she didn't tell you, because Denise worked in the office of that church, one day, a few days later, she was coming out, and Billy was sitting there at a table or something, and, and he said, come here. And she gra he grabbed her hand and said, your baby's hands will be perfect. And he still had no clue. But because of the trisomy 18, Gunner's hands were deformed. Had no clue. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit operates through the gift of prophecy for encouraging, for strengthening, bringing hope and comfort. The next one under this category is this, the gift of tongues. 
Now, if you were here last week, uh, we talked about the grace of tongues or the prayer language. Uh, where Paul talks about the gift of tongues. And the difference in the grace of tongues or our prayer language and the gift of tongues is this. The gift of tongues always requires an interpretation. Always. Let me give you a definition, if they'll pull this up, uh, when I say the gift of tongues. A message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message is being given. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the tongue being spoken is not known. Just that person doesn't know it. They don't know what they're saying. I'll give you an illustration. As, as I was preparing for this this week, I, I vaguely remember the story that my mentor at that time, uh, Rhonda Davis, had, had, had told um, uh, about being, she was incredible. in fact, I told her this week because I reached out to her to, to verify the story. I said, I've got to get you to come up and speak for us. Uh, but she, was tell, she told this story. She was at a, a big women's conference up in Canada. And she said she began to, to speak, and she said this, this con- it had people there from every background, every ethnicity, language, and in the back were a lot of people that had headphones on because that, they would get interpretation of what she was saying through that. And so she said, I got up and began to greet the people. And she said, I noticed a group of women in the back began to take their headphones off, throw them, and they just begin to jump up and down and begin to rejoice. She's like, well, I don't, I don't know what that's about. So she kept on going, kept on preaching. And after it was over, she's like, man, she said, I, I went back to the room. And one of the ladies over the conference knocked on her hotel door. And she said, said Rhonda, you don't know what happened tonight, do you? Pastor Rhonda said, well, I know Holy Spirit, man, just poured himself out and I'm so thankful for what he did tonight. And she said, no, did you see the ladies that began to throw their headphones off and rejoice? She said, yeah, but I didn't know what was going on. She said, those ladies migrated to Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. They're living in the projects. They've been saving up for over a year to attend this conference She said, when you greeted the people, you greeted these ladies in perfect Spanish. You began to say to you who came from Buffalo, New York, the spirit of the Lord says he knows how hard you've worked to come here. He knows the sacrifices you've made. He knows what you've been through. Great revival is coming to your community. The Lord is pleased with you. And then Pastor Ron, of course, said, side note, Kelly said, in college, I failed Spanish completely. She said, in fact, my teacher, my professor, she said, I, our final exam, I wrote an exam. I know I deserve an F in this class. And she said he was kind enough to give her a D minus. In his book, The Beauty of Spiritual Language, Jack Hayford tells a story of being on an airplane. And he said, I'm sitting by this gentleman. He said, and Holy Spirit begins to say, speak in tongues to him. Come on, how awkward would that be? Yeah. And he said, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. I'm not, no, God, I'm not going to do that. And he said, finally, I kind of apologetically said, hey, uh, I'm feeling like I need to say something. And, you know, if I'm off base, it's so blah, blah. So he said, I began to speak in tongues to this man. Come to find out this man was of American Indian descent. And he told Jack Caford, you just prayed for me in an old Kiowa dialect. The man received 
Christ. That's Holy Spirit. Now, now, here's the thing. Sometimes it may be in a language that is known that you just don't know, but more than likely, it's in a spiritual language that, that is spoken by heavens that we don't know, and it gives the interpretation comes. Look what Paul says about in 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must be must interpret. Now, let me tell you what Paul's dealing with. We talked about this last week. When the Holy Spirit people began to give the gift of tongues, people were showing up at church, and it was tongue-a-palooza. I, I mean, everybody was speaking in tongues. Nobody knew what was going on. He said, hey, come on, guys. There's got to be some order here. At the, two at the most three. And he said, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Jump down to verse 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Now let's jump back to verse 23 in the same chapter. chapter. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and there are inquirers or unbelievers who come in. Will they not say, you are out of your mind? Yes, the answer is yes. They will. They'll think you've lost your mind. Why? Because they have no clue what's going on. They have no clue. Look what Paul follows this up with. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, they will fall down, worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Some people might look at that and say, right there, Paul said there shouldn't be any, any public demonstration of tongues with interpretation because it's better to speak in a language that the unbeliever can understand. Listen, I hear you. And I believe it's good for us to speak in, 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 in the language that unbelievers can, can understand and they know. I believe it. But Paul is not saying, hey, let's completely do away with this. He said, there's got to be some kind of order. There's got to be order. Which brings us to the next category under this. The interpretation of tongues. What does that consist of? What does it mean? It's simply understanding, expressing the thought or the intent of a message that's been given in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Paul says, hey, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. There it is again, PK. But no, look what he says. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. In other words, the gift of tongues is just as important and impactful as the gift of prophecy when there's interpretation involved. There's a difference, guys, between trans... Don't, don't confuse translation with, with uh, interpretation. Um, if you grew up Pentecostal or charismatic like I did... Um, you, you might have experienced this. Someone stands up, gives a word in tongues. That, that word is maybe 30 seconds long. And then the interpretation comes, and it's 15 minutes long. And you're like, there's no way. Come on, come on. Anybody ever experienced? Let, let me, here's the difference. Translation is word for word. Interpretation is how you how it comes out of you. For instance, you ask me how my day is, I can interpret that in three words or less. 
You ask my wife how her day is, you better have packed a lunch. Because there are going to be details about her day and what went on. Last night she got in, I'm laying in bed, and she begins to tell me every part of her day. Every part. And she said, hey, did you have a good day, babe? I said, great day. Two words. I was done. Great day. I didn't have to say it was. Just great day. Great explanation. Her, she told me about where they went, where they were going to go to Sweetwater, but then they ended up going to Knoxville. Then they went to uh, a little, found a little play at the coffee shop, went to a little play at the coffee shop, did a little shopping, and I got all the details. Why? Because that was her interpretation of the day. That brings us to the, to the third category and relax. I, this last category is a lot quicker than the other two. The dynamic gifts. If I can get Bob or Bob to come on up. Because that makes people feel better. Oh, he is closing. He's got a piano player there. The first one in this category is this. The gift of faith. A gift of faith. Let me explain that. that, that how, how that works in our lives. You get some bad news. You get a bad doctor's report. Some sidelines you or just hits you out of nowhere. Holy Spirit shows up in, in that moment in such a supernatural way that that faith wells up inside you that says, I know things look bad. I know this season of my life may not be going as I expected, but I also know this, that my God loves me, that I'm the apple of his eye, that he is for me, not against me, and that God is faithful. That's the gift of faith welling up inside of us. That's supernatural confidence. The second one is this, gift of healings. Healings. Notice I didn't say gift of healing. Paul says the gift of healings. Why? Because I believe there are a number of different ways Holy Spirit wants to heal. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Emo Come on, he wants to heal in all these different ways. He says the gift of healings. And the final gift that we're going to close with. The working of miracles. The reason I believe Paul uses the plural form of healing and miracle is because every follower of Jesus has the potential to operate in these gifts. See, after Jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving, but he's not just leaving, he's sending them back, the Holy Spirit, and it's good that he goes away because he's going to send them. Look what he tells them in John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. They'll do what I've been doing, but they're going to do greater things. Jesus said, hey, those that allow Holy Spirit to fully consume their lives, they're going to do greater things than me. Now, I don't believe Jesus was talking about quality of miracles. I believe he's talking about quantity. Because, see, when Jesus was here on this earth in his human form, he was at one place at one time. If you needed a healer, and Jesus was over in this city, your life didn't get any better. But Jesus said, I'm changing the game. 
I'm putting Holy Spirit inside every one of my followers. And they can take this gift wherever they go if they will just simply tap into it and allow Holy Spirit to work. Can you imagine, church, what our communities, our cities, our families, our schools, the places that we work, our neighborhoods. Can you imagine what it would look like if there were a group of people that were completely under the influence of the Holy Spirit when they walked into those places? I believe that's what Holy Spirit wants to do. These are the gifts of Holy Spirit, guys. These are the gifts Holy Spirit gives. Just like you receive the gift of salvation. These are gifts. You know the problem with most of the church? We stop unwrapping at the first gift. Salvation. See, my kids, I've raised four kids. I've got four grandkids. Another one on the way. Not kids, grandkids. And here, here's the thing. I've never had one Christmas or birthday where they show up and, they, and they've got these presents and they unwrap one and they say, oh, that was great. I'm good. I don't need any more. No, they didn't stop until the last gift was open. Do you know why? Because they know the heart of their father. And they know him and his mom, his wife, not his mom, bring good gifts. I think somewhere we've lost the heart of the Father and we stopped at salvation and we've left a whole lot of nine other gifts that were meant for us to open up and we've just left them there unopened. I believe Father God is going, seriously, what you need in your life, that, that box right there with a the red bow on it, that's got exactly what you need for this moment you're going through. Open it up. But man, I'm telling you, and I, I blame the church for a lot of this because we, it got to where the mention of Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost almost was taboo because we didn't present who he was in a, in a, in a good form. Stand with me across this room. If I could tell you one thing today, you know, I've been, anybody that knows me knows I love t shirts, I love shoes, I love love clothes, period. and I remember we were at my favorite store, Ross, uh, dressed for less. And I picked up these, and I'm like, man, I, my closet is so full, I don't even wear half stuff in there. And I put them down. And here's the thing. A lot of us, we've got so much junk in our life. There's no room for the other gifts of Holy Spirit. 
We got salvation. We're fine with that. But I want to hold on to this. I know what God says about it, but I like it. Me and my brother Casey were actually talking about this, I think, Friday as we went. Uh, we have, our church was asked to uh, feed the Mexico County football team before they went to their game. Got to go down and meet the players and coaches and had a great day. But me and Casey were talking about this, and we were like, I just don't understand because we know people that, that say they're Christians, that are followers of Jesus, Yet when you look at their life, you're like, how do they what's, re- reconcile it? How, how do they reconcile it? Like me, listen, I, this, I, can I be very honest with you? I don't honestly, there's only one cuss word that I really have a problem with. The rest of them don't really kind of bother me. Uh, I, you know, I don't look at you. One, I'm like, who decided what was a cuss word? Uh, is my thing on that. But that, but there's only really one. But my thing is, there are other things that the Bible speaks right at. How do we reconcile our life as a follower of Jesus with those things? And I know we want to point out the big ones, but I'm talking about the way you talk to your wife or your husband. The way you treat your kids. The way you treat that waiter or waitress. The way you go into work and you slack all day long. Am I getting real enough? Oh, let's go on deeper. The way sex has just become a word. It's just something we do. Doesn't matter if I'm married. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I'm gonna do do whatever you want. But oh, but when it comes down to you as a follower of Jesus, what does the Word of God, who is supposed to be the authority in your life, say about it? And the reason I'm saying these things is because of this. We want Holy Spirit to operate. We want these things, but our lives is, are filled with so much junk. There's no room, and we need to make room. We need to start clearing out some junk out of our lives. And listen, I, my wife will tell you, and if you listen to the podcast that we did with our daughter a few weeks ago, man, I had a horrible temper. And I blame, I always had an excuse. It's that going's temper. And I finally had to say, you know what, Holy Spirit? I don't care what the reason is. I'm tired of my wife and my kids having to live with this. Do a work in me. And I had to make room and pull that out of my life so that Holy Spirit could put, replace it with a gift. What do you need? What is in your life right now that you need to say, okay, and be honest, I don't really want to get rid of it. In fact, if I'm being honest with you, I like this. But I want your peace more. I want you working in me more than I want this. Has bowed eyes closed.